Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Smart's balling in the starting role right now. Yeah. And he's shooting threes? Where the hell? Dude, he's coming at a really nice player for them. Um, he's becoming a player that they want him to be, man. Welcome to the Tip of the Town podcast. <clears throat> it's me, Damar, with Crystal Krynas. Um, Raptors, we love the Raptors, and we love, supposedly, we love Marcus Smart, man. We love the Raptors, dude. They just had a colossal comeback in the second half. You're going to open with, we love the Raptors? <laughs> Come on, man. We love DeMar DeRozan. We love JV showing up for once this season. Kyle Lowry was the third best player in the Raptors tonight. How weird was that? Yeah, I know, man. It's, you know, when you score 40 points, it's hard not to it's hard not to be, you know, the first star on the team. Either the entire time where uh, the bench, it was the bench versus De- the bench with DeMar DeRozan. And it, he was looking to attack pretty much every every time he touched the ball. So the bench with DeMar DeRozan was something that we discussed, what, 25 times during the beginning of the season? We were like, hey, can they keep doing this? Is it going to happen? Today was the first night it actually happened, and it worked. Yeah, I'm, I'm genuinely surprised by it because the like the when it's DeMar DeRozan in the bench, they just like centralize the entire game plan around him, and then he has to end up passing out of the post. And, it's not that great, man. It's been yeah, better. Usually there's offense perishes. Yeah, I mean – you know, when he has to pass out of the post like that, you know, his passing isn't that great. I mean, he's he's a decent passer, you know, in pick-and-roll situations or in the open court or whatever, but passing out of the post for him is like, it's an easy way to generate turnovers. Well, let's call it what it is. He went full out to Kobe Bryant mode tonight, yeah. <laughs> and at some points he couldn't miss. He just played some angry basketball after he got a little, I guess, what do you want to call it, the scuffle with the officials. Mm-hmm. He was working them pretty hard there in the third quarter, and he went nuts in the second half. Yeah, which is weird, man, because he's usually like a a really somber dude. He doesn't really talk to the to the refs that much. So him drawing a technical foul, and he was acting like they were down twenty in the fourth when it was only the third quarter. I think they were down by like nine points. I don't get it. Yeah, well, they went that huge twenty three to six run, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's how they ended the game. But in the third quarter, there they slowly started putting it together, and throws in that thirty one of it's forty one points. I think they were in the second half. I was looking that up. Yeah, thirty one of his forty one in the second half. That's Ridiculous. I love it, man. He even hit a three today. That's when you know it's good. <laughs> That's when you know everything's rolling. <laughs> Life's good as a Toronto Raptor. I mean, it was. It hasn't been recently, but today at least it is. Well, another area, too, when you talk about recently they've been struggling is uh, on the glass. Today they grabbed 38.4% of all available offensive rebounds. That's insane. That's a <laughs> – dude, that's like a small ball lineup playing against nothing but bigs. Yeah, you know, the Celtics allow that because, you know, Al Horford isn't that great of a rebounder. And they weren't even that good of a rebounding team last year, but adding Al Horford as their center slash power forward, um, yeah, actually it's making their rebounding, if not worse, it's just like the same. And it's allowing JV to just like crash the boards 24-7. I didn't think it'd be that bad, though. I mean, I, I, I mean nobody really expects, nobody expects it to be this bad, but, you know, 
there's a variance in the, in the badness. You know, there will be days where the where the amount of uh, offensive rebounds they give up is like in the twenties, and then there will be days where it's like you know thirty eight, thirty nine, like it is today. Eleven offensive rebounds for JB. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean Shaq like think of think of the team that think of the players that are on the team, and can you like name me who's a good rebounder that was playing? Uh, Boston, they don't really have one, like you were saying. They're they're a team rebounding team, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know one of their best rebounders on the team is Avery Bradley. He's like I think he has, he's averaging seven rebounds a game, and he was you know he's out. Yeah, they literally rebound by committee. Yep. Hold on. What's wrong, man? <laughs> no, I was actually, I'm looking at the stat. I'm looking at the box score, and I'm just like puzzled. Yeah, this is Al Horford with nine rebounds. Amir Johnson, you know, he's scaling down. He's on the other side of uh, <laughs> the other side of his career, so he's only getting like sixteen minutes, twenty minutes a game. And uh, well, yeah, there's no, nobody else rebounds. Like it's just not a rebounding team. Yeah, I mean, they gave twenty five minutes to Kelly Olynyk, five boards. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, everybody's in between like six three and six eight on the squad, and nobody's really like a dedicated like a. Uh, utilitarian type player so yeah you're just not gonna get rebounding man great for the Raptors though because uh the Raptors are not one of the best rebounding teams either but when you have at least one player that is dominant on the boards it's gonna really show up in a game like this yeah it showed up a message tonight yeah talk to me what about, else stood out to you talk to me about the turnovers man what's going on why is what what's going on I'm not going to say it's going to be a long-term issue or something got to worry about. I think it's just a rough stretch of basketball because I really don't have any reason why. This team has had what? <laughs> Lowest amount of turnovers in the league, I think? Yeah. They're, they're one of the, the best teams taking care of the ball this season. Right. And even the last season, you know, their style of play is, uh, is known for that, basically. So I don't really have any way to explain the Raptors' turnovers because I don't know if it's going to be like football. I don't think basketball and football – share many similarities when it comes to turnovers in football turnovers tend to progress or regress to the mean um you don't usually stay one way in the uh, turnover margin differential but i i really don't think that's the same effect in basketball so i have no reason or way to explain this sudden urge of turnovers they've had they've had they had 17 today right and uh that's pretty much the reason why i feel that's the reason i think that's the reason why they they fell behind because they were telling, they turn it over like ten times in the first half, or eleven times in the first half. Sorry, and uh, yeah, it's just like every time they would turn it over, it's Demar Derozan or Kyle Lowry turning it over, and since they're at the top of the key, it's just like an uncontested bucket uh, going the other way. Dude, even against Houston, Houston was really bad. The turnovers, and they shot themselves in the foot, and that's how they blew that lead, and were never able to ever come back because they just kept turning the damn ball over. Tonight. Yes. Sorry, go ahead. Almost the same issue. Almost the same issue. I mean, yeah, the turnovers... Like, the, turn, the, the, wor- the worst thing about the turnovers is the defense isn't that good to begin with, right? Yeah. So if you're already... You know, they're already going to, like, give up 105 points or 100 and some points to begin with, and then you're giving them extra opportunities to score, and you're taking away those opportunities for yourself to score, right? So you don't have the ability to, like, to plug the gap with your own points, right? Then you're just... You know, you just fall by the wayside. It could turn, 
like I thought it was gonna be a to be honest, I thought it was gonna be a blowout when it was like midway through the third and they kept turning it over and turning it over. I'm like, if they never get to shoot, right, and their defense is already not that good and that it basically because when it's not getting turned over, it's like a shootout, you know, they're just going bucket for bucket, then they're just gonna fall behind in the aggregate. It was looking that way to start. I mean, if you would have told me that at halftime, I wouldn't have disagreed. <sighs> All right, so JV, the star of the game, with a twenty-seven or eighteen points, twenty-three rebounds, is it an aberration? Is this real life? No, this is an anomaly. <laughs> this is just a great circumstance for him, and everything aligned for one game. I'm not, I'm not buying it. Yeah, really? Are you? I'll be shocked if you are. See, buying it, buying it is it depends on how, what you mean by buying it. I think he still is the same thing as he was before today's game. Okay, so he's a, he's a player that can use in unique circumstances. That you know, if the game flow and the opponent permits, JV mm-hmm. can dominate. But if you know the opponent goes small or plays this new wave of basketball we're seeing sweeping over the NBA, he doesn't fit. So I think tonight was just one of those cases where you know a traditional big man can wreak havoc. That's it. Okay, I just wanted to. You know, I just wanted to know your feelings about JV because uh, everybody, you know, everybody's been giving their take on JV. But we've been, we've been gone. We've been on winter break, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for me with JV, I'm just going a lot of off what Dwayne Casey said to Zach Lowe last week too. Mm-hmm. He even flat out said himself, unless he's dominating the game, I can't put him in against small ball lineups. So unless somebody wants to argue against Dwayne Casey, good luck with that. Um, he's made it pretty clear how he's going to use him. Okay. That's kind of why I think tonight was an anomaly too. All right, man. I think, I don't know, I don't, every time I think about JV, I just, I just, my uh, opinion on him starts to flip-flop, and I'm just, I'm, at this point, I'm just thinking that he kind of reminds me of, like, Jaleel Okafor, like, Zach Randolph or something like that, where it's, like, the post, you know, post-offense isn't that good right now, especially, like, there's so many benefits of perimeter players, and his passing out of the post isn't that good, so, I just think it's, it's better suited for a bench role. It's like there's no center to replace him on this roster, so it's kind of impossible to do to even uh, think this way for the team because there's no way to replace him. But uh, yeah, I think his best role is suited as a bench big. He can be you know solid for now because he still has offensive weapons, so he's not like a zero on the floor. But yeah, man, I don't. I just if there was a I'm just if there was a Bismack Biombo with better hands. They would be playing him on the squad instead of JV in the starting lineup. A lot of teams would love to have that, though. I mean, with the way basketball is changing now, you're kind of describing Tristan Thompson. Yeah, he's great. We're, hey, don't <laughs> hey, don't get it twisted. NBA champion Tristan Thompson. Okay. 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 Geez, sorry. <laughs> Respect our Canadian brother. So, in a long-winded way, we both agree that JV, mm, he is what he is still. Yeah, which is a post score that uh, doesn't is not going to get that many touches on the Raptors. I think we've, you know what, the, the talk about JV is just like come, it's gone in circles and circles and circles, and we just, you know, we've just got to like just finally just uh, reside on this thing. It's just like he's a post score, he's not going to get touches because Demar Derozan and Kyle Lowry on this team they dominate the ball. You know, defense isn't that great. Love to see him come off the bench though. So maybe the Raptors should maybe make a trade. 
maybe trades. 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 Before we get to trades, because there's lots to talk about trades, we got to figure out: is this the second best team in the East? Because everything leading up in tonight's topic or tonight's game, sorry, was who's the second best team: the Celtics or the Raptors? Oh yeah, because like whoever won this game was basically going to become second seed in the East, right? And do we know? I mean, I know the Raptors won, but do you still feel confident saying they are the second best team in the East? Yeah, man, I think I think they are. And I think at the beginning of the season, I said Boston. At the beginning of the season, I think I was like Toronto, Boston, Toronto, Boston, and then I was like Boston. But <laughs> <laughs> but I finally I finally settled on the Raptors. You know, it it's just like a. I feel like they're similar squads in the sense where like they all have, they both both of them have like just. 10 people that can play. You know, like, the Raptors have DeMar Carroll, Patrick Patterson, Valanciunas, DeMar DeRozan, Lowry, and then they have Naguera, uh, Corey Joseph, Terrence Ross, Norman Powell. Like, they got all these players. None of them are, like, you know, superstar players, but they're all, like, you know, above-average role players or starters. But I feel like, you know, the Celtics have the same thing with, like, you know, Al Horford is not a superstar, but he's a star player, and then you have Isaiah Thompson, who seems like he's playing like a superstar this year, and uh, without question, <laughs> yeah. But then they also have best like, fourth quarter player in the league, exactly. And then, but they still have people like uh, they have like Terry Rozier coming off the bench every once in a while, and they have still have Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley. Like they got all these good. They just have a lot of good guys. I just feel like the the collection of good people on the Raptors is just that much better than on uh, on the Celtics. Well, there was one key player missing tonight. For the Celtics. Avery and Bradley. he's somebody who, yeah. I mean, does this DeMar DeRozan explosion happen if he's playing? Um, That's a good question because Avery Bradley, uh, you know, he's a great defensive player. But what DeMar DeRozan leverages to score is, like, his height difference and his jumping ability. And uh, Avery Bradley's, like, six foot, like six foot two. And uh, DeMar DeRozan's six foot seven. So you just literally just jump over him on shots. <laughs> Whether or not he's getting, whether or not he's getting those position for shots, that's uh, another question. But if it's just if we're just talking about the shot specifically, then I think he just like he jumps over him to me for his floater in the lane or that mid ranger. He's just gonna jump over people. Well, I think here's the thing that Avery Bradley brings to the Celtics defensively: straight up versatility. And when you're switching from Avery Bradley to Marcus Smart or Jay Crowder, it makes that matchup even tougher, right? Because you're going from one good defender to another to another. And I think that's something they could have used tonight, fair to say, especially in PNR situations or even on ISOs. They could trap DeRozan with two good guys. Yeah, that's very true, man. That switchability is uh, paramount, especially in uh, pick and roll. Not even in pick and rolls. It's just like when uh, DeRozan's coming off those screens, um, like the pin downs where, you, where they're doing those uh, to the baseline, where he, instead of you know somebody having to trail him, they'll just like switch off of him. That'd be really, that'd be awesome for the Celtics. So you know. I mean, it was a close game, so Avery Bradley, I don't know, is Avery Bradley worth eight points to you? <laughs> I don't know. That's what I was I'm kind of wondering that, too. I think we're going to have this argument or conversation again when these two teams play, but until Patrick Patterson's off his minutes restriction and Avery Bradley's healthy in this lineup, we don't really know. Patrick Patterson's on a minutes restriction? Yeah, they said tonight after the game that he's roughly 20 to 25 minutes a night until he's 100%. Okay, I didn't know that, but you know what, you know what I do – did notice about uh, about today? He mm. was in the starting lineup, baby. I'm going to spat on my drink. He's in the starting lineup. 
and they were playing great in that first quarter. Just saying, nobody. Can, there's no way you can detract from what I I've been preaching. I've been like the guy, you know, the crazy dude outside of like the bus stop that is just like prophesizing, you know, uh, any religion really. And it's like, have you heard about this person? The best person ever. <laughs> but Patrick Patterson take is not really a take. I just think it's like the truth, and even. You know, this is not just me. It's like even Nate Duncan or uh, Zach Lowe would say the exact same thing, where they should be starting Patrick Patterson, and he proved it today. Excellent play. You know, it's not like he's grabbing twenty rebounds a game. It's just like, even if even if he didn't score, even if he didn't score, just the spacing that he that he gives the team and the defense that he gives the team is it's invaluable. And oh, I'm so happy that it was on display tonight. Yeah, I was going to chime in, but I didn't need to because I knew you were going to say it. I was going to say three things. Spacing, points per 100 possessions with that starting five lineup. It's elite. Elite, elite, elite. 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 And his defense. <sighs> Why else would he not be a starter? I feel like, you know what, what are you more sick of talking about? JV's role in this team or should Patrick Paris start or not? The JV, I feel like we talk the about JV, these once a week. The JV, man. Oh, my God. The JV thing where they... They bring it. It's brought up, like, literally any time the Raptors play. It's like... If JV gets a ton of points, it's like, this is why we should get him more touches. And if JV doesn't score very much, you'd be like, why are we giving him more touches? And then right. like, <laughs> I'm actually going to be guilty of that because I'm going to write a piece about tomorrow about why <laughs> JV's role shouldn't change. But I don't give a damn. You know, you got to do it. Got to appease the audience. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's just, we talk about it every time. And, you know, it's valid, valid concerns because he's a young player. But yeah. <laughs> Start his itsy bitsy action figures. Start one of them at center. Let's go. Yo, he's been getting attacked on Twitter for that. Do you know that? People need to get a life. Is people have been they like actually need to get a life. People have been like saying instead of like building your itty bitty uh, figure because they bit you know you can actually like purchase them. Uh, he's like people on Twitter are saying you know instead of making these itty bitty uh, figurines you know you should be like grabbing some boards on on the court and uh, I don't think people realize that he's not actually making those. You know, <laughs> I know. But the problem is, is these keyboard warriors hide behind Twitter and use their itty bitty thumbs to text these itty bitty insults, yeah. and it does what? It's just annoying. The these smallest, people are like, man, the like smallest ants. people on the planet, man. These, I don't know why. Like, it's, do they just not know that? You know, first of all, he has massive hands, so I can't even believe. Like it. <laughs> you would have a very hard time believing it at the very beginning that he is building these and like. You seriously think he's doing a commercial? This is just like if uh, you saw like Andre Bargnani doing primo pa- like eating primo or making primo pasta. You'd be like, "Yo, stop making primo pasta and like start hitting more threes. Like that's not how it works. That's Bargnani's a source, man. <laughs> I can't even talk about that guy. I can't. I, I'm not going there. But I get what you're saying. Just hearing his name, I cringe. I cringe because I look at all the number one picks. I was doing this the other day at work. I was looking through all the past number one picks the past 15 years, mm-hmm. and his damn name sticks out like a sore thumb. I'm like, ah, Colangelo. <laughs> you know? Like, I don't think it's a bad It just reminds me of such a dark time. I don't think he's a bad pick. I just think, you know, let's let's get over talking about him, man. I don't think, you know, I don't think the public will ever get over talking about him unless he, like, breaks out into, like, becoming, like, this amazing player or he just gets traded away. This is true. Well, he's pretty much gone now, so. Oh, what? Okay. 
we're getting off this topic right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> two man. players that are inching closer to a return. I know one guy. You cringe whenever we talk about him, Jared Sullinger. The other, DeLon Wright. I saw both of them working out before Sunday's game. Mm-hmm. DeLon Wright's working on his crossover shooting mechanics. Um, got an extra day of working with the 905 on Monday. He said he'd be back mid-January. He's right on target for that. Sweet. Thoughts on him? I'm happy to have him back. I'm, you know, the Raptors could always uh, deal with more talent. Um, a long six wanna, foot six guard. Yeah, I just want to see him. Pl- I want to see him play because he didn't get to play that much last year. And uh, there's a lot of guards in rotation this year, but I just want to see him like doing stuff. You know, if you just likewise. Now, sorry, go ahead. You know, you just draft him and then he just rides the pie and like. What do you really have? Like, you can't really just play him in the 905 all the time. I think they're going to carve out a role for him, actually. Like this what? is a really good defender. So he's taking Kojo's minutes? I don't know. I don't know, man. I, you know what? Right after I said that, I just realized. I'm like, okay, does that mean he's taking Corey Joseph's minutes? And, well, what the hell is Norman Powell? Yeah, Norman Powell. And then, oh, you know what? Sorry, about today, when they're playing Corey Joseph like to end the game, you notice that, like the last, I would say, six, seven minutes where I'm assuming since Patrick Patterson is on the minutes restriction, they, they had to play, you know, another another player. So they were playing uh, Corey Joseph instead of Patrick Patterson. Why are they playing mm-hmm. Tupac instead of uh, Norman Powell in that lineup? I don't know. Or, I'm sorry, why, are they, playing, did, why but... are they playing Kojo instead of Norman Powell in that lineup? Norman Powell struggled recently, but that doesn't mean you just banish him to the bench. Yeah, because they're playing double point guard, but you know Kyle Lowry's already on the court, and Demar Derozan's there, and Demar Derozan would still be defending the same player if Corey Joseph and him are on the same on the court at the same time, as when you know Norman Powell and Demar Derozan are on the court at the same time. So why not just play a more complementary piece? I don't know. I, I just didn't make any sense to me. I didn't, you know, I don't think many people are going to ask uh, Demar uh, Dwayne Casey about it just because they won the game. Of course, I, I'm just, I'm so confused by the usage of Norman Powell. That's something we talk about a lot too, but it is confusing. It doesn't make much sense. Yeah, the only way he's going to get minutes, like consistent minutes, is if some, again if somebody gets traded. And I keep t- I keep talking about people getting traded, but there's a lot of talent on the team, and there's just not enough space to play all the talent. I have a feeling the Celtics are facing the same problems. Hundred <laughs> percent. I feel like the Celtics are going to be the team to make the trade before the Raptors do, too. That's a little bit scary because uh, anybody anybody the Celtics would be trading for because they want a big man would be like probably the same player that uh, the Raptors want. Unless it was like Nerlens Noel. Uh, you went down the road that I was exactly going to head down. Uh, go ahead. I was literally going to say, let's get into trade talk. And let's talk about the scary part of all this trade talk. It's not the fact that they're going to have to give up a lot to get like a Millsap or an Ibaka, or a few other guys we'll talk about. It's the fact that the Celtics can literally trump any offer they make out there. And I think teams are going to use the Raptors as leverage to drive up the price just so the Celtics will part ways with that Brooklyn Nets lottery pick. That t- I just think that's going to happen. That tasty, tasty Brooklyn Nets pick, man. Everybody's I mean, after it. Every, everybody's after it. Now that I'm thinking about it, remember when the Hawks said that they weren't, weren't going to trade Paul This is when, like, shut down the, the, the Paul Millsap trade talks is when uh they said they want like a high first rounder and like that's an all actual bullshit place, an actual piece i'm like that sounds a lot like the brooklyn pillock and like some young dudes from the celtics to me 
when the Hawks said that they're not trading Millsap anymore, to me that literally screamed, "Your offers are crap. Let's get it up there. Let's go. Let's <laughs> let's offer some real stuff." That's what it screamed to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, even if you're gonna make a trade, you know, you have to posture. You know, you gotta make decisions from what you perceive as positions of strength, not weakness. So exactly, you're, like, yeah. you're gonna be like, "Yeah, I'm not trading him." And then everybody's gonna be like, "Oh man, what if we give you? What if we give you this instead?" And you're like, nah. and but then you know, eventually somebody slides in like with a with a decent offer. You be like, "You talked me into it." You know, you say, <laughs> you, and then you smile sheepishly as you like stamp the the trade papers. Well, that's the part of it that I don't understand either. When they're like, "He's off the table," so you're telling me if somebody came with the offer they want right now, they're gonna be like, "No, we say he's off the table." No way. Yeah, I just don't believe it. I, especially since when Al, Al Horford left for nothing, I just can't believe that they would allow uh, Paul Millsap to just leave because it's you know it's possible. Everybody thought Horford leaving wasn't possible until it happened. So I think a lot of the problems Atlanta is running into with trying to deal with Millsap right now is that they want to trade Millsap and give rid of some garbage. And by garbage, I mean like Mike Scott's contract. You know, players that they're just not going to use anymore. Some Even Cephalosha. I'm sorry? Some people want Bazemore gone. I read that too. But I doubt that's going to happen. Yeah, but it's like another player that, you know, we would say that they want gone or something like that, where they wouldn't want to trade away as their trash. But, you know, I think they should keep Bazemore, if anything. Say, I know one player I think they should keep, but apparently teams are asking them all the time. Tim Hardaway Jr. Mm-hmm. I mean... I'm a big fan of his game. Yeah, I mean, you know, he shoots it. I mean, the only the only problem with his uh, his game is like he doesn't play defense very well. But he's not necessarily coming from like the best defensive uh, uh, culture. Yeah. Like he's, <laughs> I mean, he was playing on the Knicks like originally, and the Knicks are uh, not a defensive squad. And then now he's playing on this Hawks team, which is all right, but you know, they're not the Grizzlies or the Spurs. <laughs> so, I love so, how we just like transition Grizzly Spurs. <laughs> so I just don't think I just don't think it's like he's just not in a, on a team that is like accentuating defense as much as you think they would be. Just so yeah, they maximize them. So to circle this all back to Millsap and the Raptors and the trade that quite seemingly fans are begging them Messiah Dre to make. What do you give up? I think that's the real question here: is what do you give up? See the 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 one that like balances everything and makes the most sense is when you're trading like Patrick Patterson and a pick and some like some filler as well. But I feel like um, if you're making that trade, if you're trading Patrick Patterson, then you're making it's like kind of a redundant trade because you want you need more big men, not just a better one, right? Because if Paul, just like what happened to Patrick Patterson, if he gets injured, then there's like no power forward to back him up. On the spot, yeah, Pascal Siakam, and then they end up playing like Pirtle and uh, or they end up playing Nuguera and Valanciunas at the same time to start the game or something like that. So you need to keep, if you can, you can need to keep Patrick Patterson. I feel like that's probably one of the things that might have stalled uh, trade talks. I think it is because a lot of people were rumoring out there that you know the Hawks want Patrick Patterson and Terrence Ross, right, and the two first round picks, right. which is no, 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 basically no. what you're saying right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but like I'm not, I'm not, I would not make that trade. That's a hang up. I just don't think it's like enough. I don't think Paul Millsap is enough to to like uh, circum like to get over the hump to make that type of trade. You know, I feel like you're losing, you're losing too much for Paul Millsap, and there's 
you know, the prospective uh, ability for him to leave. So, you know, it's a, it's still a one year rental. You would obviously have like the bird rights to, to sign him. And plus he has that, the super max contract on the table for him, which would add even more complexities to the situation. But yeah, I just feel like it's too much for a one year, re- a possible one year rental. That's the scary part, right? I feel like if the Raptors don't believe they can sign Millsap, there's no way in hell they trade for him. But if they do feel that they can sign him, what do you do with Lowry? Yeah, and then that's you know that was like the second layer that nobody got to because the trade never happened. But then you have like two uh, players that are able to get that super max that's going to be part of the new CBA, and then you end up having to pay like three players a hundred million dollars, and everybody else on your team is scrounging for the rest of the money. And then that's when you have like you're over the luxury tax, and then you can't sign free agents, and then you're you're looking at the MLE and like how how do I sign anybody with this MLE? And I mean the MLE is going to get expanded, but you know I don't I can't picture anybody really signing for the major uh, mid mid level exception when there's so much money that would be available to other teams. So yeah, <laughs> exactly my thought. And to make it even more complex, based on the Raptors cap situation. And Atlanta's size of their roster right now, they have 15 guys signed. There's going to have to be an even amount of players distributed and close to an even amount of money. They can only exceed it by about 20 to 25%. So it's not as easy as people think it is just to swap, you know, throw in Pirtle, DeLon Wright, Terrence Ross, Jaron Sollinger, done. Like the money's got to line up, you know? It can't just be throw anybody in there, throw our garbage. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. I even saw, um, this was on Twitter, it was somebody I was talking to somebody in the in mentions where they're like, yeah, but they're trying, you know, how Norman Powell was playing, uh, well, <clears throat> the game before this one. And they're like, this is the, this is great fuel for the Norman Powell, you know, trade. I'm like, they're not trading him. And they're like, why wouldn't they trade him? I'm like, he only makes 900 million or 900,000 a year. And he's way better than that 900,000. So there's like his contract and his value to the team are so far out of whack that he's just like kind of, he's kind of untradeable at this point, unless you're, I, I can't even think of a, like a trade scenario with him included. He's literally a kicker in any deal, right? Where the money matches up. That's why I think Terrence Ross is the obvious choice in the trade. Not because, you know, he's playing terrible. We don't want him here. Or, you know, he's playing so well, we got to trade him. It's just his contract. Just numerically, he's an easier player to make. Yeah, exactly. To move, I mean, sorry. Yeah, exactly, and it's like you know, you when you lose Terrence Ross, it's not like you feel like uh, you're not like you're losing so much value because you got you know Norman Powell to fill it in. I mean, there's very similar players, and you know, Norman Powell has more ball handling, but the shooting is very similar. Defense is probably better by Powell. I actually think Powell is a better player, but he's just shorter, and I have a feeling that's <laughs> holding him back on the squad. No arguments for me here. So I guess that moves us to the question then, if not Millsap, who else can the Raptors go after? Man, I haven't even been, this is, I haven't even been thinking about it, man. The Paul Millsap trade is just like the perfect trade, and there's nobody else that's really effective enough on the, on the market. I guess you can go for like Wilson, make a Wilson Chandler type deal, but I don't think the Nuggets want anything that the Raptors have. See, it's funny you mentioned Wilson Chandler because he was somebody I thought of. I'm like, nah, the Raptors need like a flex, like somebody with some size. So I went back to the same names. I, I've been looking at every damn roster and I keep getting back to the same names. Serge Ibaka, mm-hmm. Danilo Gallinari. Mm-hmm. You know? Danilo, I like that. Isn't his contract I love ending? Gallo. Isn't his contract ending this season as well? Yep. 
still think you'd be in the same scenario, and I feel like Gallo, Gallo is a good player, but I think I would take Paul Millsap over Gallo. Well, I, I think Gallo would be more affordable to acquire. That's true, and I, but I don't think the Nuggets want to trade him. Me neither. Because he's been a part of that franchise for such a long time, and like through his injuries, and you know they've stuck with him. And he's said multiple times that he loves uh, that he loves Denver, and he loves you know he would sign there for he even I think he even said that he would sign there for a discount like in a public like in a public forum. So I can't imagine them wow. wanting to. Yeah, I can't imagine him getting traded. I know he's an important piece of their franchise in a sense where, besides Jerry, he was a part of that famous Carmelo deal. Gallinari was a centerpiece of that. So yeah, exactly. I feel like. He's entrenched in Denver, like what you're saying, but if Denver's truly going to blow it up, is he not somebody you move? Yeah, but I'm not convinced that they want to blow it up. Like, what what has uh, what have they done that indicates that they're going to blow it up to you? Nothing. I'm, I'm reaching a straw, <laughs> to be quite honest, trying to pull out names they could trade for. Okay. Right, that's It true. sucks because, like, in a month's time, when the trade deadline's going to start rolling around, I think we'll have a better idea because we'll know where teams are going to be heading. You know, some are going to be out of it playing for the lottery. Others are going to be vying for a playoff spot like the Kings are so desperately hoping. So yeah, I think the, by then we'll have a better idea. Right. Even the Kings were a part of this Paul Millsap trade. Not a business. How? Because <laughs> their owner's psychotic. All he wants to do is make the playoffs so he can show off his fancy arena and prove to other free agents that, hey, look at Sacramento. It's a nice place. Come play here. So That's can, really what it's about for him. So you can barely make the playoffs. Barely. Maybe he doesn't care if they get smashed by the Warriors in four, which would happen. Yeah. He just wants to get in the playoffs. I think it's a short, short-sighted type deal for him. But you know, you're you're a King's uh, front office person. Like you don't. I just feel like <laughs> it's, the front office feels so inept. There, it's just like they're just gonna do whatever they do, man. And Could you gonna... imagine? You go to work every day, and you're like, okay, this is what we should do as a team. It's good for our franchise. You tell the owner, he's like, no. Like, every day, you're just like, oh, fuck, we're going to do whatever we're going to do. You know, whatever he wants to do. I don't even know why I come to work. I just get paid. That's yeah. literally what they must feel like. Oh, man, it's it's a shame. I miss DeMarcus. We always talk about DeMarcus, man. This is like a almost like a running joke now. Right, but I think Boogie's a player that's not going anywhere. Yeah, I'm seeing, you know, people are saying that we should trade for Cousins, but again, he's not going anywhere at all, especially now that they're in the playoff race, so it's just not happening. 100%. One last one before we get out of here. Mm-hmm. And it's not Raptors related, but it's one that's been surfacing around recently. Jimmy Butler to the Celtics? Oh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, eh. I've been reading a lot of that. Uh, you, know, I, I, you know, if I'm the Bulls, see, this is another scenario where it's like, you know, the best idea would be to not, to to make this trade. For, I'm assuming it would be like a bunch of picks and you probably get like Avery Bradley and something else for that? No, actually, what a lot of people have been suggesting, and whether it be through forums, Twitter, like NBA quote unquote experts and uh, other talking heads around the league, it'd be a package of Marcus Smart, mm-hmm. Jay Crowder, mm-hmm. and the first round pick. The big, the big first round pick, the Nets one. I feel like it's like slightly too much. Like if I can get. Right? If I don't trade if I don't trade Crowder, you can have like literally anybody else and that would make that trade. Yeah, I'd be cool parting ways with Marcus Smart, even though he's developing, but like 
take Marcus Martin, a bunch of our young kids, and like Jalen Brown in that pick. Okay, now we're talking. Yeah, but like Crowder is like a serious like piece to that team, like a very very like indispensable piece. Even though that the Celtics love Gordon Hayward. Uh, <laughs> 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 that made my night. Uh, so even though Crowder like, snapped that night, oh man! I mean, it's hard not to, man. Just this is besides the point. It's like if you if you're making that trade for Jimmy Butler, I just don't want to give up Drake Crowder. You could like li- you could have literally but anybody else except for like Al Horford and Isaiah Thompson. But like you know, Amir Johnson, you want him? Have him? Kelly Olynyk, you got him? Terry Rozier, okay. You know, it's just like I could I could give up anybody except for Crowder because Crowder makes you know, he's a legit like an actual three and D player that plays like great defense, is an above average three point shooter, and he can also play the four. Like those are indis- the indispensable players that like every team would want, re- like regardless of the situation. No arguments here for me on that. But I, love I know the, we I know in the past we did. I love the idea know. of Jim and Butler on the Celtics though. I think that's a really good. Uh, it's a good fit. Yeah. I I just feel like at the trade deadline, the Boston Celtics are gonna they're gonna feel the pressure and they're gonna feel like their window is you know quote unquote now, and if they get Horford, Isaiah Thomas, and either Jimmy Butler or Paul Millsap, mm-hmm. you know three some sort of combination like that could help them challenge the Cavs. Maybe not enough? beat them, but at least challenge them. Is it enough though? I don't think so. Because, yeah, neither am I, and I'm just thinking, like, the Cavs have two, three superstar players. I mean, if it depends on how you count uh, Irving, because he doesn't really, I mean, it depends on how you count Kevin Love and Irving, but people would say they have three superstar players, but I just don't think, you know, I don't think Isaiah Thompson, Jimmy Butler, and Al Horford is enough to put you over the top. Like, none of those players are better than LeBron. And in the aggregate, like the total amount of skill that those three players have is not equal to the amount of skill of the best three players on the Cavs. So I just, I just don't think it's enough. <laughs> I don't see any team in the East adding a player that can help them beat LeBron and the Cavs. I hate saying that because it's like, well, why do we even watch them, right? But that's just how we I love our squad, man. <laughs> we do, we do. It's my Raptors, man. <laughs> literally pull it to you yeah but yeah it's it's tough man it's tough <sighs> we'll, we'll see him in the stream. I mean this is a great I'm liking this uh, game mostly because it's a preview of the second round because whichever team is going to be the second seed is going to you know the other is going to be the third seed I don't really see the Cavs falling off too much like the Raptors had their chance earlier in the season but I don't think they're going to make it up again that game's going to be a bloodbath. Or that series, sorry, will be a bloodbath. Yeah, that's going to be, like, really, really great basketball to watch. And it can get it can get ugly because, uh, you know, the Raptors like to play slow. And there will be a lot of banging and a lot of defense. But they can also get some pretty basketball because, you know, the Raptors are like one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league and so are the Celtics. So. You can bank on that series getting chippy. Yeah, Absolutely. And you know so, somehow those uh, that Jay Crowder comment has fallen by the wayside throughout this entire uh, ordeal. I was literally just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> That'll yeah. come back up. That'll be quote unquote bulletin board material. Oh yeah, there'll be like a no, no it'll be like the announcers will be like, remember all the way back at the beginning of the season, the Celtics said that they don't need to worry about the Raptors. Isn't it funny how they're playing the Raptors right now? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely <laughs> that's definitely coming up again, man. It's like it's 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 creeping, man. It's just like staying in the background, but it will be brought up, brought up again if they play again in the playoffs. Very shortly. Very shortly. All right, man. I think we've covered everything. Absolutely. Enjoy, it. guys. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Hanukkah. Jeez, what was that? What's the there. holiday from uh, Seinfeld? Seinfeld, sorry. Where it was just Seinfeld. like, yeah, it was just like a pole in dirt, and like they were celebrating. You, you don't remember this? I'm the only person that remembers this. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I don't mean to ruin the joke right now. No, it's not a. It's not a joke. It's just like it was like uh, there was a holiday they made up for not celebrating uh, Christmas. It wasn't like an it wasn't like an atheist thing. It was just like they hated Christmas, so they wanted to celebrate their own thing. <sighs> you know, somebody we can, make, to, we can make a holiday. <laughs> somebody will mention it to us, <laughs> <laughs> and then we're gonna be like, "Oh, of course." <laughs> but uh, yeah, everybody, you're back. Uh, it's back to the grind, man. So, uh, winter winter break is over for all our students, for all of our parents. You know, uh, kids are out of the house again. We need to go back to work. Yay. But, uh, yeah, Raptors one. Good time. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tip of the Tower. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud at Tip of the Tower. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Crystal Kranitz. And be sure to follow DeMar Grant on Twitter at DeMar J. Grant. Yeah. That was about as close to an infomercial voice I could throw on right there for some shameless <laughs> self-promotion. I hope it sounded like it because that's what I was going for. Happy Festivus. It was Festivus. It was Festivus. Easy there. All right, guys. Have a good night. See you next week. Bye. Festivus. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.